always told me, he said, Ashley, the best gift I could ever give you is for you to be able to stand up on your own two feet. And he said, you want to be an artist? You better figure this out. You know, I'm not going to let anything happen to you, but you've got to go through the hardship. And I mean, you know, broke as hell, my power getting cut off, didn't have two nickels to rub together. You know what you do? The, the hotter the fire, the stronger the steel. You figure shit out when you're fucking broke. You figure out how to get out there. You figure out how to put yourself out there, you know? Send an email, cold call, go look at galleries, put yourself in front of people. You figure out who your audience is, you know? And that's, that's the best gift that anybody's ever given me. Because no matter what happens in life, you know, I know that I can take care of myself. Hi there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist, the weekly show where we talk with a range of art world players. So we're into episode four for season two and we've had our emerging Australian artist, an established Australian artist, an international artist and this week we're due to be speaking with either like it's a gallery manager or a curator or just an industry world leader. Well, you know what? My guest this week is all those things and more. Ashley Longshaw wants a career like Andy Warhol and a legacy like Peggy Guggenheim. And I kid you not, she's on her way to that and more. The New Orleans-based artist is a true entrepreneur, and that's in a word I heard Ashley use when we were talking. She has her own gallery, has collaborated with a range of global brands, including Maybelline and Diane von Furstenberg, and already this year, she's onto her fourth collection. It's February, people. And although Ashley has her own business and she sells her art directly, she isn't necessarily about bringing down the traditional gallery system. She's more about artists making money, about showing them there's a different way if they're interested to do business. Because as Ashley said, there are a lot of artists who wouldn't want to put up with the stress she has to running a big team of 19 people and all of the work and effort that goes along around that. Now, along with her creative output, Ashley has a voracious input. She collects from artists all over the world, including even here in Australia, supporting the creative community the best way possible, buying and sharing art. Now, there's two things you need to be aware of with this episode. Firstly, Ashley sprinkles most sentences with swear words. So think of it as gorgeous, expletive confetti being tossed all around. And secondly, technology failed us. At about the eight and a half minute mark, the internet platform we were recording on died. Fear not though, there was no way I was going to miss this chance to speak with Ashley. So we went old school and I gave her a call over the phone. Get on her Insta at Ashley Longshore Art and strap yourself in to meet the life force that is Ashley Longshore. Ashley Longshore, thank you so much for joining us on Interview with an Artist today. Oh, I'm um, so happy to be here. And I have to tell you, <laughs> the minute I can get on an international flight, I'm headed down under, baby. Oh, I was going to say, you need to get down here because... Um, a, we love your work down here, and B, I think, I know you've gotten a bit into nature over the COVID period, and I've have... always been into nature, always, but I've, it's, I went to college in Montana, and I really found myself, I found like a peace and something that brought me great joy that, you know, it doesn't cost any money, and I think, 
you know, when you're finding your way in the world and you want to find happiness and joy, you, you really have to find that. And I'm, I'm so excited to come to Australia because I know all of the beautiful nature that you have to offer. And, um, I can't, I can't wait for that. I absolutely can't wait for that. Plus yeah. I want to have, I want to have a pet wombat real bad. <gasps> okay. <laughs> they're so cute. They're huge, right? They're like, mm-hmm. when they get to full size, they're really quite big. Um, um I'm fine with that. I have basset hounds <laughs> and I'm totally fine with that. And, um, I also, um, oh my God, you don't even know how, what, what my heart does when I see a platypus. I oh. love a platypus more than anything. So, um, <laughs> I've also taken quite the liking to Tim Tams and have had to block myself from ordering them on Amazon.com because they're so delicious. I was going to say, how do you get them there? But yeah, Amazon, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Amazon, but God, they're good. Yeah, (laughs) they are good. They are definitely one of the inclusions when people move away that you send over in a care package. That and Vegemite. Um, Yes. Hey, you got into making fig jam and do you – was that an acronym for you as a teenager in the 90s, like it was for us here? Mm-mm. Okay. No. So Fig Jam, when you were a teenager here in Australia in the 90s, you would name like your netball team or your basketball team the Fig Jam team because it stands for Fuck I'm Good, Just Ask Me. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that so much. And I'm I'm – you know, where I live in, um, well, I'm at my farm right now, which is about an hour north of New Orleans. And it's basically tropical here, but it is, everything's covered in ice and snow right now. And my little fig trees out there with no leaves and it looks oh. so sad. Oh. So I cannot wait to blast that, uh, that, that anacronym again when spring comes. Yeah, I was I was like picturing like paintings of yours of like jams of like fig jams on them. And I'm thinking that would be awesome. Yeah, that Mm. is awesome. You are, I would say, like an art world leader in that you totally, I feel, bucked the trend and went out there and you have quite a big team. And one of the last articles I was reading about you said you had a team of 28 working for you. Mm -hmm. Is that still roughly the size of your group? I have a smaller team now. I have about yeah. 19 people. Um, wow. You know, when, when the, when the, um, when the pandemic hit, I had lots of these very talented uh, college kids that worked for me and they helped me do some of my bedazzle and my shipping and all that sort of thing. And um, when the quarantine hit, a lot of them moved home. Um, yeah. So that sucked. And then part of, uh, you know, this pandemic, I, I did some restructuring with my company, which is actually a very good thing. I actually needed less people, not more people. Um, and so, so yeah, you know, there's been lots of silver linings to all of this madness that's happened. I, um, I found a lot more balance in my daily routine. I hired an incredible chief operating officer, who I actually snatched from a billion dollar company to come in and help me, um, you know, with all the different sectors of my company between manufacturing and um, just running a team, getting things out the door on time. You know, it's, 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 it's not as easy as it looks. Um, 
she's amazing and has actually been a mentor in my life for several decades and has been in my life since I first started painting. So, you know, I think, I think when you're building a team, the most important thing you can do is have people, first of all, loyalty, um, you know, respect for each other. And, um, she's, she just really believes in me as an artist, believes in what I'm doing in the art world. And so, uh, I've, I've never been happier about that in my whole entire life. Yeah. And and can you cast your mind back to being the artist and then going, okay, I'm going to like hire people like that first hire. Can you remember how that felt? Yeah, it felt incredible. I mean, you know, you're in Australia, but you know, let's talk about the American dream for a minute. I mean, uh, you know, look in America, we work, we work, we work, we grind, we grind, you know, no holidays grind. It's It's actually not the best way to do things, but you know, I've, I've always thought as an artist, you know, being prolific and making artwork is my favorite thing. Being able to have my own company and sell art and work directly with my clients and keep 100% of those profit margins is a really exciting thing. And to me, you know, that is the American dream. I think, I think though, the global dream is just to be able to be independent and to survive on your own. And for me, not having to depend on galleries not having to um, to rely on somebody and, and ask them, you know, have you sold anything? Have you had any clients come in? What's going on? Just dumping off inventory. To me, you really lose intimacy. It's sort of like fucking through a glory hole, you know? Ashley, we are back. We are back. We will make this work. Yeah. So you like the global kind of success for you, you were saying was that, that not having to rely on the galleries and be asking. Yeah. I mean, look, anybody starting a business anywhere in the world, Australia, London, Paris, you know, anywhere you are, you want success and you want to be independent. And so, you know, my, my thought process was very early was shit. I, I, I want to do this my own way. Galleries told me I wasn't marketable. Galleries told me that, you know, they couldn't sell my artwork. And I thought, well, that's bullshit, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, I've got something to say here. I've got a story. I've got just as much of a shot as anybody else. So I just went for it, and I went for it hard. And, um, you know, is it the easy way? Hell no, it ain't the easy way. Is it? a rewarding way? Do you get smart? Do you fail? Do you fuck up? Do you learn things? Hell yes, you do. So, um, you know, it's so far my journey has been an exciting one. Yeah. And how would you say your definition of success has evolved pre and post COVID? Well, I gotta tell you something, running a business in the middle of a recession and a pandemic Ain't no joke. I mean, you know, it's one thing if all I got to do is keep my lights on um, and make artwork. But when you have that many employees and people that are counting on me, I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of pressure. Now, you can let pressure weigh you down and take you down or you figure out how to roll with the punches. You figure out how to make changes. You figure out how to operate digitally. You know, which which in the long run, you know, when things open back up and it, it things, you know, get easier again, as if it's ever easier, 
um, you know, you're ready and you're smarter and you have a whole new way. You've learned a lot more about another way of, you know, bringing in revenue digitally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I, in Australia here in 2020, art had a bit of a moment and lots of artists and galleries I spoke to said that, yes, it was a tough year, but actually that sales still kind of came through because people were sitting at home and they were like looking around at their walls. Was that the sense in the States or was it a little different? Well, I certainly can only speak for myself. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what everybody else has been doing. I can tell you as an art collector, uh, I was absolutely buying art last year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I yes, I feel very fortunate. We had really, really great sales. Yeah. Really, really great sales. Yeah. You know. Um, and you've had some massive collaborations, right? You've you've collaborated with Maybelline. You've collaborated with Diane von Furstenberg. Do you start each year and go, okay, what's like the big goal this year? Or is it more organic in that things kind of come your way? Yeah, it's kind of like what is the tide going to bring in? Um, because, look, when you're putting yourself out there, you know, I'm grinding – I'm on my fourth collection of the year already. Wow. February the, what is it, like February? The 17th. Yeah. It's Mardi Gras down here. Okay. (laughs) Um, It's February 16th and I'm on my fourth collection. So I've really put myself in high gear on, you know, what, what can I produce? When I have a new idea, you know, can I do 20 paintings based on that idea? It's like I'm, I'm pushing myself pushing my boundaries because when you're operating digitally like we are right now you know it's all about new content it's all about new engagement and for me if I'm out here in the freaking woods and not on an airplane headed to New York you know I want to continue making as much new art as possible so you know I'm I I do that all the time anyway because I'm I'm nuts and making art (laughs) like makes me happier than anything in the whole world yeah so while all that's happening you know, then I'm creating some cool limited edition products for collectors and people so they have a little Ashley Longshore in their life um, if they're not ready to start investing in original artwork. Then on top of that, you know, when you cast a wide net, you know, hopefully you do draw the attention of some of these big corporations. I mean, that was something that I always thought was really cool. As a consumer, I love uh, artist collaboration. You know, it's not for every artist. A lot of people have their own opinions about it, what's selling out and what isn't and all that. My perspective as an artist is, are you living the artful life that you want to be living as a creative? Are you getting the opportunities that you want to get? There are no rules. This is about what satisfies your own creative is. And I love working with these big companies. I think it's a blast. So, yeah, a, a lot of the, the bigger the corporations, the more organic it has to be. I mean, a lot of those companies are working two to three years out. And, um, you know, it's, it's really it's really fun to learn from them and to see how they work as big corporations internally and how they structure these big rollouts and how they work creatively. It's, it's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like you say, it's a great peek behind the curtain, right, of how did they get there, what are their systems, what's worked for them, what hasn't. Um, Yeah, it's a great learning exercise as well as bringing your art to just a much wider audience, right? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's totally fun. And, I mean, look, 
I do say no to a lot of people that approach me because I really want to work with companies that, that number one, that I love and number two, that, you know, that I, that I'm learning from. That's, that's a really fun part of my job and I'm grateful for those opportunities. Yeah. Do you remember the first piece you sold? Yes, I do actually. It's when I was in, uh, I was going to college in Montana and uh, I was painting these really whimsical, ridiculous, masturbating couples. <laughs> and I did this French Riviera masturbating couple. I don't know what was in my head in <laughs> college or hormones. Um, and I went to this gallery and she loved my artwork and wanted me to bring back my portfolio. But instead of bringing my portfolio, I, I dropped 30 paintings off her gallery to see and she was like oh my god this girl's insane but I want to give her a show so the gallerist actually bought the paintings and hung them up in her dining room and little did I know it was the president of Mexico's daughter and <gasps> so she has a very incredible uh, art collection oh my god that's um, awesome yeah it, it was awesome and at that point I decided to do some performance art, so I'd actually latex one of my friends, and I had her pop out of the bathroom halfway through the show, and I had techno music blasting, and you know, it was it was it was very euphoric. Um, then I got I had written a letter to like the local little newspaper in my in my college town, and they given me some press, and I thought, oh shit, you know, wow, <laughs> I, this is what I want to do. This is great. I got this. So now I'm on a podcast with you. It's yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah, right. And so I guess you, in terms of calling yourself an artist, were you pretty confident early on calling yourself an artist? Well, yeah. I mean, I was making things. Yeah. Uh, I was taking ideas and creating tangible objects. I think I really found a joy and a bliss when I found artwork that really helped me define myself as as an artist. I had always been an artist, but I didn't find, I didn't find that within myself until I was, you know, 18, 18 years old. And I found it on my own, which was also a good thing. Because yeah. if, if it had been my mother's idea, I would have been like, fuck this. <laughs> I was just about to ask you, are your parents creative? Um, you know, my, my father is creative. My mother uh, she's creative. We're actually estranged, but yes, the okay. woman is very creative. Okay. We are, we are a very, uh, dramatic, overly communicative, communicative family that, uh, yeah, we're, we're very creative for sure. My father's a businessman, so yeah. I learned so much of my business sense from him, Yeah, uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. I, I have his genes. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely his daughter. Have you got any paintings that you've sold that you've thought, oh, I would have loved to have kept that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like you wish you were a songwriter because if you write a song, you have it forever. When you're an artist and you make a painting, you know, I mean, some, some you're more attached to than others, obviously. And I, I paint things, you know, like when, I, when I'm not in the middle of like a brand new idea a brand new series I like to paint you know the same thing in a different way because I just want to paint it so 
sometimes that first new painting in a new series, I get very uh, sentimental and attached to. And uh, I'll tell, you know, we'll, we'll do PDFs and launch PDFs out to some of our, our VIP clients and our top clients. And my sales team will be like, um, that one's sold. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And I'm like, no. And then, you know, and then they'll be like, okay, well, we need to get into New Orleans. And I'm like, well, no. You need to tell the client I'm not ready. And I, I, I'll make them come up here and, like, snatch them away and load them up when I'm not looking. Because mm. if you does it, 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 it's also, there's such an amazing moment when, I'm creating a new series. Like, for example, my new Living Jewels that I did of all those beautiful beetles and bugs, and they're, they're huge and they're gorgeous. And there's just a very small window of time that I get to be in the same room with them, that I get to feel all of their energy at once. And, you know, that's the thing. This, this art, when, when you're creating art, it, it, it has so much energy inside of it. And when I first started painting, I really, you know, like I said before, I found this joy and love that I'd, I'd never felt before. And, and in my little college dorm room, creating all these paintings and then lining them up on the wall and realizing, wow, I've just kind of created my own little happy world. Then I realized other people were like, ooh, I love that world. That's happy, colorful, wild, perverse outrageous world I I want that you know but it's it's really touching for me to be able to stand in the room with like 25 new paintings and to look at them all together knowing that you know they'll be hauled off one by one and they'll end up in different beautiful places all over the world I love that too I, I love it so much yeah um but but that that moment when we can just all be together is I don't know. It's it's the strangest feeling of like, I feel safe. I feel happy. I feel fulfilled. I see my time. That's something I love so much about being an artist is that at the end of the day, I can see that I've been productive. I can see that I haven't just been sitting around wishing. I've been creating and doing. And whether anybody likes it or not, it doesn't really fucking matter. <laughs> what it is, is just this. Well, it doesn't. No, I know. And I love that. Feeling. I love that. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's this beautiful feeling of, of fulfillment yeah. um, that nobody can take, you know? So even in the beginning of my career, when I didn't have the engagement that I have right now, and I, my name wasn't out there like it is now, you know, that's something that I really, that I, that I love that made me feel successful. And I think as an artist, you know, you figure out, what makes you feel good? And, and in the beginning of my career, I, I would celebrate, you know, selling something that cost $500 because I was like, oh, shit, I just made my rent. This is amazing. And I would jump up and down and be like, I can't believe this. Like, oh, my God, I just made $500. Somebody bought that. And, and I have that same enthusiasm now. It's, it's really incredible to be a working artist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where does your drive come from? God, I I don't know, but I am very ambitious, and I wake up every morning, and I feel like somebody's got a gun on my back. I feel like, you know, I guess I just feel 
I guess this is a little pessimistic, but I know that the time is slipping. I know that time is my most precious commodity. I know that there are only so many days for me to be creative in my life. I know that my time is my money. I know that, you know, me being able to create is the most important thing. And, you know, there's a lot to do out there. There's a big world to see. And, damn it, I want to see it. I yeah. want to see it and I want to do it all. Yeah. You know, artists live for opportunity, you know, or I do anyway. Yeah. You know, you make the artwork and then you want people to see the artwork. And then you want to find the right people that, 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 that relate to your artwork. You've got to find your audience. You know? Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. And I think I think Instagram has been a wonderful tool for the visual arts to reach and build that audience. Um, Agreed. Yeah. But it's, you know that being that being said, it isn't the be all end all. You know, you have to have other engagement as well. You need to do shows. You need to keep up with your clients via email. You know, you need to get yourself. Um, you know shows in, in different markets and different areas and it's like you know it's, it's like it's like fishing you uh yeah yeah you can't, you can't go to the same fishing hole every day you know <laughs> yeah if, if you could change one thing about the art industry what would you change oh my god um i mean you know uh, uh you know uh, I'll tell you what I would do. I would encourage more artists to go out there and be entrepreneurs, if you will. I would encourage more artists to realize that when you're creating something, you you are, you know, what they say in business school, you are a brand. You are creating your own world. You are creating this beautiful thing that other people in your same frequency relate to. I, I think there's something really wonderful about knowing who all your clients are, maintaining that intimacy, and keeping 100% of your profit margin. I I would love, I, I, and I know me as a collector, whenever I can buy art, I try to go directly to the artist uh, every time. And some artists don't do that, and, and that's a personal decision. I am not knocking galleries at all. Galleries are I think there's some amazing galleries out there that really have the artist's best interest at heart. And, and, and a lot of artists would not want to deal with the bullshit that I deal with, you know, because again, it's stressful, but I'm, you know, I have the right brain, left brain thing going on. And I, um, I tend to create a three ring circus everywhere I go. So, um, <laughs> I just, I, you know, it, it worked for me, yeah. but I, I, I would want to see more artists self-represent. Yeah, I just dream of a world full of artists that are financially wealthy because, you know, it isn't about cars or things. It's about being able to get to that next idea, to build the biggest idea. And in order to do that, you you do need money. Yeah. You do need money. Yeah. So, um, you it, know, and then, of course, we could talk about the fact that there are you know, hardly any female artists in museums. We can talk about the fact that female artists, their their uh, price, prices don't go as high as male artists in auctions. Um, what, what did I just see a statistic that like only 2% of 
of, of, of art in American museums are done by black artists. I mean, look, we've got a long way to go. Yeah. But I, I really like to focus on the fact that me as a female artist, I'm not going to get anywhere going, oh, the male artist, oh, the male <laughs> artist. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fucking work harder. Yeah. I'm going to get up. I'm going to paint more. I'm going to try to be smarter. And I'm going to go out there and instead of whining and bitching and carrying on about male artists, who I collect lots of male artists. I don't have anything against male artists. I'm going to go out there and make my own, I'm going to pave the, I'm going to pave my own road. You know, yeah. I'm going to do what I have to do. And then I'm going to, I'm going to build up uh, other artists and support them and love them and buy them and collect them and shout their names from the mountaintops because that's what I want to do. You yeah. know? Yeah. I follow you obviously on Instagram and I have started, I love when you post, some of the new art that you buy as well, because I'm like, oh, follow them. That's really interesting. Like, it's a fantastic way to broaden your art, your art looking just by through artists supporting other artists. I have, uh, you know, I'm, I want to have a career like Andy Warhol and I want to leave a legacy like Peggy Goodman. Yes. I, I want yes. to, to sell art and buy art. I mean, I'm, um, I, you know, I have, I have, uh, artists that email me all the time to let me know when they have new collections. I love Instagram for finding new artists. I, um, I'm a voracious art collector. I love buying art. My yeah. favorite thing in the world. Yeah. What do you do to get out of a creative funk? A creative funk. You know, I don't have a lot of creative funk. Very, very early in in my career, uh, you know, I would put so much pressure on myself to be have new ideas and things, and you know, it, it made me so anxious and it made me feel so weird. So, you know, I I will always pick up a canvas and a brush, and you know, if I painted a beautiful Audrey Hepburn with flowers in her hair, I'm gonna paint it a different way. I'm gonna you know paint another portrait of Frida Kahlo. I'm going to you know, I'm going to do something creative and I know that, you know, the rest will follow as it should. But as, as long as I'm creating artwork, I'm happy, you know. The same way Picasso and Van Gogh and all of those artists, you know, painted, you know, seven, eight, nine paintings a day. That's what I want to do too. Who's your biggest fan? My biggest fan? Yeah. <laughs> Probably my dad. <laughs> Probably my dad. He's very, very proud of me. Oh. And I'm, I'm so happy like that. I'm so happy that he's alive and that I can spoil him. And, yeah. you know, he definitely allowed me to be the woman that I am now, to be strong. And he always told me, he said, actually, the best gift I could ever give you is for you to be able to stand up on your own two feet. And he said, you want to be an artist? You better figure this out. You know, I'm not going to let anything happen to you, but you've got to go through the hardship. And I mean, you know, broke as hell, my power getting cut off, didn't have two nickels to rub together. You know what you do? The, the hotter the fire, the stronger the steel. You figure shit out when you're fucking broke. You figure out how to get out there. You figure out how to put yourself out there, you know, send an email, cold call, go look at galleries, put yourself in front of people. You figure out who your audience is, you know. And that's, that's the best gift that anybody's ever given me. Because no matter what happens in life, you know, I know that I can take care of myself. 
And when you make your own money, you can live where you want, love who you want, buy what you want. You can help other people. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> do you get to hang out with your dad much? Uh, I do. I haven't in the last year because of this bullshit pandemic that I'd hate. That bitch COVID. Um, but yeah, we, we, we talk every day. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He's, he's so funny. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. um, how do you deal with your inner critic when it pops up? You know, I'm hard on myself, but I don't, I'm not critical of myself. Um, I'm definitely a perfectionist in some ways, but not with my artwork. Um, I, I like imperfections and looseness. I like, you know, I, I, I like all of those things. I, I'm not going to get anywhere if I'm constantly beating myself up. So I just realized very early that I'm the only person that I'm going to live my entire life with. So I might as well be really nice to myself with my inner voice. And if I don't finish something, then I'm like, okay, well, I'll get up an hour early tomorrow morning and I'm going to fucking finish this thing. Or, you know, I always find a way to make up for lost time. But, you know, beating yourself up and being overly critical really will not do anything for you. I, I, I don't think it doesn't do anything for me. But I also wear a necklace that says I would fuck me, so I'm, I'm kind of unusual. <laughs> oh, that is the best. Oh, that is the best. Okay, one last question before we get into the quick fire five. Okay, we're flashing forward like three years, five years, pandemic's done. Where would you like to see your art take you? You know, I really... Um... I, I really want to go back to Tokyo. I like to go somewhere for like a month and a half or two months and create a whole new collection. So I'd really love to do that in Japan. I'd also love to do that in the, uh, what is it called? The Witch Sunday. Oh yeah. Oh, you would love the Witch Sundays. Yeah, but come in, I, I come in like, do don't come in summer because there's jellyfish and you can't swim in the water. You need to come like in autumn because it's still warm enough, right? Like it doesn't ever get really cold. Yes. I want to do that. Uh, you know, I've, I've got some, I've got some big things I'm working on right now that are really exciting that I'm, I, I, I wish I could talk more about, but I can't. That have been like life goals of mine. Oh, cool! Coming to fruition, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, what I really like too is the unknown. Like, what, what is? What will the future hold? We do have a whole new world now, you know, and we're so digital and things are changing and my perspectives are changing. We're all learning all these new things. And so there's a lot of excitement in that. So, you know, I can't wait to go back to India. God, I love India. I can't wait to do that. I, I definitely want to go live in Rome for a year and create. I'm very, very, very drawn to Rome in particular. Maybe I'll live there in another life. Yeah. But I definitely want to go paint there. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Okay. You know, I'm an artist. I can fucking do anything. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. Okay, last little bit, quick fire five. What's your star sign? Oh, I'm a Leo. You're I'm a, a raging fucking lioness. <laughs> uh, what's the last thing you streamed, as in watched? Oh, my God. I watched this show on Hulu called The In and Out of It All. And I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I it haven't. It is one of the most brilliant, beautiful, mind-boggling, gorgeous, 
touching, creative, outstanding. Uh, it left me absolutely speechless about the beauty of humanity and the magic that we are surrounded by in our life. Truly the most incredible, incredible film I have seen maybe in my entire life. Oh, wow. Okay. Other than that, I just, um, I've been streaming uh, Girls again. I started from the beginning, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually down to uh, the very last episode that I'm going to watch tonight. What's your favorite snack? God, um, Tim Tams. <laughs> I fucking love Tim Tams. I mean, um, I also make this thing called West Indies Salad, which is it's jumbo lump crab meat with white vinegar, chopped up onion, and you put like a little bit of, uh, of oil in it. And it's like sweet white onion, and then you, you put a little layer of ice, you add some water, salt and pepper, a little bit of hot sauce. You put that in the refrigerator overnight, and then you just put that on a cracker. And when it's hot outside, oh my God, it's so good. Oh, that sounds really good. That sounds really good. Other than Tim Tam. Other than Tim Tams. Very good. Band you played to death in your 20s. Oh, my God, Nirvana. Nirvana, for sure. I threw I threw a lamp out of my uh, dorm room in college when I was in Nirvana. <laughs> I fucking loved Nirvana. I loved I, – I actually drove from, from my college in Montana. I drove over to Seattle to, like, the – ice cream shop that Kurt Cobain worked at. It was like my roommate in college. We were, we were obsessed. I mean, like everything was on. I love it. And then last one, first, last, or never on the dance floor. Oh, probably. I mean, I, I love to cut a rug. I won't be the first one out there, but I'll be the first one at the party and the last one to leave. But I definitely will be on the dance floor at the end of the night for sure. I love it. Ashley Longshore, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm sorry about our technological Armageddon. Oh, my God. Don't even. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Please, when, when the world opens up again, come to Australia. I cannot. I cannot wait. I will let you know. And thank you so much for this opportunity. 